Hello, and welcome to the Learn to Mediate Online podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and I'm one of the leading experts in online mediation. I have personally been mediating online for over five years now, and I have my own fully online family law mediation and coaching practice. Two years ago, after so many of my colleagues reached out wanting to know how I was doing it, I created the Learn to Mediate Online training program. And to date, I have personally trained thousands of mediators in how to successfully conduct their mediations through an online platform. As a leading figure in the online mediation movement, I am privileged to be on the cutting edge of developments and advances in online practice. And this podcast has been created to share that information with you. So tune in each week to get the inside story on how to mediate online. I invite you to now listen to today's podcast. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and I'm very excited today to have a friend with me who is also one of the leading um, psychologists in the area of mindset. She has extensive training and experience in the psychology of human behavior and dispute resolution. So I I think you can see why she's going to be a wonderful guest for us to have here on the Learn to Mediate Online podcast. Um, Her name is Dr. Deborah Dupree, and I have known Deborah for a few years now. She is located in San Diego, California, where you all know I was happy to live for a couple of years, Um, and now I've moved off to Chicago, but we have stayed in touch, and in fact, we've uh, spoken on some panels together, and Deborah is really one of those individuals who impresses you with just the vast breadth of her knowledge. Um, She has for years, she is herself a mediator. She's done both family law as well as workplace mediations, but she's also was a mediation trainer for five years and is now a um, master mediator and actually oversees other mediators and mentors them. Um, And then speaks, I mean, Deborah, how you speak so many times per year. I, I bet you can't count how many times that is at different uh, conferences and events. Well, I did try to keep make a list not too long ago, and it's like, oh my gosh, this is really long. <laughs> I mean, we have been, uh, you know, we just last year were on two or three panels together, but, and on different topics. And that's what, what I love because Deborah truly has like a breadth of knowledge about our industry, but all, you know, media dispute resolution, she's one of us, but also she layers in the psychological components, which frankly are a challenge for a lot of us who are perhaps from the legal field or from other fields. Um, And she has a new program actually coming out shortly that's for those lawyers out there, um, including me, and I'll tell you my experience when we get a, a little further in. But the reason I asked her to join us today is because so many of you reach out to me asking me questions about about creating emotional bonds, about creating rapport, about handling emotions as affected by the online platform. Um, And so I really thought Deborah is perfectly situated. By the way, she is an online mediator as well and has been conducting mediations online 
if not as long as I have, I think even longer. Um, so she's, I mean, truly, this is going to be, I think, enlightening for all of you. So let me just first say thank you so much for joining us, Deborah. Thank you, Susan, for having me. Um, as you know, you were on my podcast last year, and so um, nice to be able to return the favor. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you here today. I announced that you were coming in this past week's uh, um podcast and I've already been receiving emails from people saying, oh, could you ask her this? Could you ask her that? Um, so one thing I want everyone to know, I'm going to have all of Deborah's contact information in the show notes. So if we don't get to all of your questions, um, I know I know Deborah, you can reach out to her. Um, she is, is truly one of those professionals who is there to support the profession. Um, so she, we'll have all of her information. But I do want to, you know, let's start out with these questions that I get. You know, you and I were talking the other day and I mentioned in the past couple of months, I have held webinar trainings for more than 15,000 uh, participants. Wow. Uh, it, it, yes. I mean, it's, which is wonderful. I love that mediators and professionals are wanting to be trained in online mediation and doing this, what we do and doing it well online. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you, I think the, besides questions about breakout rooms, I think the number one question I get is how do you, don't you lose something emotionally with the online and how do you create rapport because you're separated by a screen now, you're not in the same room. So I would just love, I mean, I, I just want to turn it over to you. What do you have to say about that? Well, thank you so much for the opportunity to weigh in on this. Uh, you know, one of the things that I really emphasize um, in all the training I do and communications is is that how important it is to, you know, have a conversation up front. And so you and I have talked about this, you know, I really start with the, the pre-mediation um, opportunity to have that voice-to-voice -voice connection and to, you know, um, I think the question that oftentimes gets missed by a lot of mediators is, is simply starting, you know, starting off with what's important to you about this matter. You know, what are your concerns, your fears, you know, so forth. And so when I teach mediators, um, you know, how to mediate, um, I use what, you know, an iceberg model, right? You know, we all know the tip of the iceberg, right? And so what I have learned over my years of being a psychologist and in communications and mediation is that often people react to what's the, uh, the tip of the iceberg. They react to what they hear, what they see, and what's being said. But they seldom dive deeper into that bigger part of the iceberg below the waterline up to what we call the beach, um, the beliefs, the expectations, assumptions, attitude, um, concerns, or hopes, not to mention the fibbles, the fears, values, and needs. And so by, by, by saying what's important to you, that's that big, broad opening question. And then it's learning what I call the art of probing questions, learning how to take it down one, one layer at a time. And so you can use the pre-mediation by embodying just a couple of these techniques to really sort of understand where's this person coming from, what's important to them. And, and this is where you really do need to be paying attention to the visual and the audio. Um, you know, if you do the pre-mediation call, it could be by Zoom too, um, to introduce them to the technology or simply by phone. But, you know, I will, I don't know if a lot of people know this. I find whenever I speak about this, a lot of people don't. But 55% of how we communicate is by what we see. 
So paying attention to facial expressions, the eyes, you know, the, the mouth, you know, uh, I, just the other day I had a client on, um, you know, a, a telehealth call and, um, you know, if I hadn't been paying really close attention to her, uh, I wouldn't have realized that she had started to cry, was getting very emotional. But I could start to see her chest sort of heave a little bit. I could see, you know, her head was dropping down. And, you know, so just paying attention to those visual clues and making sure that you don't charge forward. And by saying then, you know, you know, keep talking, but it's just, say, okay, I just saw a shift. And so I just said a few things here now, so let me go back and regroup. Um, so 55% of how we communicate is by what we see. So really paying attention to the visuals when you have them is so important. And that's just as true here. I mean, I can see your expression, Susan, you know, your smile, whatever. And, you know, we're still mirroring back and forth. 38% is, is the tone of our voice. And um, I know as a mediator, well, I know as a speaker, I have to be very conscious that I have, tend to have a softer voice, so I have to really project. But it's that soft voice that really helps me connect with people, too. Um, because people oftentimes say, you have such a calm, soothing voice, I just feel better already talking to you. So know what your own attributes are and how you can use that. And then only 7% of the actual words that we use. And so um, it's not that words aren't important, but uh, I... I put a lot of attention on our languaging, you know, what words are we using? And um, at least in my training of mediators is getting away from adjectives. Oh, that must have been really, really difficult. Oh, that sounds like that was difficult for you. Totally different tone gets conveyed. But then when I talk about going below the waterline, that's oftentimes uh, where people don't have conversations. And this is where, again, we can tap into framing our open-ended questions around the beach, the beliefs, the expectations, you know, well, what did you think was going to happen? You know, well, what's your concern about that? What, what would be your hope if this is resolved successfully? And all of that really helps people feel that you're, you're, you're listening to them, that you're really hearing what they have to say. So that's, that's sort of the thing that I would, uh, you know, start to do is start using that model, but making sure you do that pre-mediation call and uh, either Zoom or phone. And then, um, uh, and making sure that you're doing paraphrasing, summarizing sentences with what they've said. Uh, they may not know how to articulate it, but that's our job as a mediator, pull it out. Yeah, I, I think everything that you said there is, is so impactful. And there's two things that I, as an online mediation trainer, want people to note is one, that probably sounds very much like what many people are doing in their in-person practice, mm -hmm. and you just translated it to an online practice. So I, as something that I've always, you know, tried to instill in my trainees is we're really not, this isn't just some completely different practice because you mm -hmm. are now online. It is translating what you did in person and taking it and doing it through an online platform. And the other thing that strikes me about what you said, and, and I must have gotten, you know, Unconsciously, I've been parroting you, I think. I must have heard these statistics from you because my, everybody who's out there who's heard my um, presentation knows that I talk about the fact that the vast majority of our communication is th through our expression and through mm -hmm. the tone of our voice, the intonation in our, our voice, not the words that we use. Mm -hmm. And to me, I think that that's actually something those two the fact that it's through our visual expression and through our, the intonation of our voice, because online or virtual mediation is so focused on the face mm -hmm. and so audio specific, 
that I actually think you almost get more information mm -hmm. than you might in person because you're less distracted by other things that might be going on. It's very focused. What do you th what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree on. Uh, I think there's a, probably a little bit more prep that you, you will want to do for your clients uh, when they come into mediation online um, because there are some protocols, you know, and, and I would also suggest that people um, be aware of their behavioral um, aspects of how they function so that they can point out, you know, if I could, I would put my hand out to you right now, you know, and, and say, gosh, you know, I can see that this is painful for you. Or, you know, I, if I'm going to lean in, I want to make sure that I'm hearing you um, accurately. And so, you know, and so I'll give people clues about what I'm going to do. Um, and uh, I, I'll share this quick little story with you. I learned the hard way in my early days of mediation that, uh, you know, behavior, I had a behavior I wasn't even aware that I was doing, um, although we all do it. You know how we nod our head when, when, mm -hmm. when we were in agreement with something? I'm, I'm doing it right now. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And so in one of my, my early mediations, um, uh, I, I, I was nodding my head a lot while one party was giving their story. And then um, and then I went over here and I was nodding my head a lot. And so then the other party goes, well, you know what? I'm, I'm ticked off right now. You know, you just were nodding your head like, you know, in agreement with me. And, and now you're doing the same thing with her. And that's why we're here is to resolve this conflict. And I go, oh, my gosh. I said, I, I didn't realize how much I nodded my head. And so I made it a practice for a long time. When I opened up a mediation, and I still do this online, that, you know, you know, you know uh, what's one nonverbal way that people will acknowledge or indicate that they're in agreement? You're nodding your head, right? And so uh, as a mediator, I want to make sure that you know that um, when I nod my head, it's really about that I'm acknowledging that I'm hearing you. It's not that I'm in agreement with you because my job as a mediator is to be neutral, to be impartial to both sides. My my, What I'm um, mediating here is the process between you. And so I just want to be clear because I know I do that a lot. So I don't want to give you an impression about my behavior that, that could be erroneous. That is great. Because <laughs> first <laughs> off, the minute you said I nod my head and I saw myself doing it, <laughs> I think everybody out there is probably who's listening is doing the same thing. But I, one thing you said there that I think is truly impactful and it really is something that people have said to me that, you know, in general, we don't touch our clients, but there are times, right, where we would reach mm -hmm. out and at least touch someone's hand um, and to say, do that verbally. That's what you did. You described it, you know, in, if we were together, mm -hmm. I would, mm -hmm. that's, that's wonderful right there. You're still getting that same impact and comfort or empathy that you're trying to convey, um, you're not limited by the fact that there is a distance. I actually, when you said it, I felt it. Okay. Even though you weren't even saying it to me, I could feel it in that, you know, in that moment as a divorce mediator, I'm often with people who are extremely upset and mm -hmm. would at times touch someone's arm mm -hmm. or, you know, say that. And I could see that being very effective even though the actual physical touch isn't happening. Yeah, uh, very much so. And, and I'll tell you, um, about two or three years ago, um, maybe longer, I was really intrigued about um, you know, 
well, I've got a lot of neuroscience background given my, my doctorate degree. And so I found that just so fascinating. So I like to always bring a little bit of the neuroscience to it. And I was doing some research for a presentation article I was written, writing around compassion. And so it took me to the work of Dalai Lama. And so, you know, Dalai Lama basically says, you know, compassion is really nothing more than being warm hearted. And I always say, even just calling it warm hearted instead of compassion, I feel warm hearted, you know, I can feel it myself. And so, you know, for a long time, we've talked about how important it is to show empathy uh, as a surefire way to helping people sort of calm down. And by the way, that showing of empathy is uh, sort of a prelude to what you're going to, I think we're going to talk about as far as managing emotion, yep. um, but acknowledging emotion. And I, uh, here's the languaging come in. Uh, I hope you, I understand how you feel. I'll say, no, don't say that. Because, you know, somebody could say, no, you don't. You, you've never walked in my shoes. You haven't dealt with this, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, and uh, and so instead of saying, I understand, it's like, you know, I, 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 I want to acknowledge. I can see how upsetting this is for you. Rather than say, I understand. So using the word acknowledge in some kind of way, or I can see this impacts you. Or, and my mentor, Dr. Dan Dana, who also was not an attorney, but a psychologist, um, basically said, you know, just comment on what you observe. Okay, so when I saw my client, you know, her, her behavior shifted, I said, you know, I know we're online here right now, but I, I, I can see a shift in your demeanor. I can see a shift in your body language. And so help me understand what's going on for you. And so that was able to redirect her, you know, and, and even though we were online, she knew I could tell that she was really getting emotional about what we were talking about. Okay. And so just simply commenting what you observe is powerful. Well, and what it also does, it strikes me, is that it lets the other person, the person you're talking to and you're, you're telling them what you're observing, it's letting them know that even though there's a computer screen between you, you're getting it. Mm-hmm. Your your the the emotion is still coming. I always t- say to people, the emotion still comes through the screen. Trust me. When I've got mm-hmm. two people fighting through through their computer screen, there's no question as to what's happening there. We know how people are feeling, but that's also you're communicating to that person that you are their emotion is very cognizant to you that you are on aware of it acknowledging it. I love acknowledging. I think that that's a a very relevant part. And, you know, so you've sort of taken it through from before the actual mediation. And Mm -hmm. I do think for the attorneys out there who are listening, as well as mediators, doing that pre-mediation conference with each client is is truly important. It Mm -hmm. is where rapport starts to be built. It's where the client's are able to um, start to feel comfortable within a process that is probably not very familiar to them, even though it may be familiar to us. And it serves an important part on the practical side of also getting them comfortable with the technology Mm -hmm. so that when the actual mediation happens, they can be comfortable with the fact that they have a mediator who understands that they now feel they know a little bit. So I know a lot of, and I personally, suggest it be on video conferencing. Mm-hmm. If at all possible, a tele I mean, we lose something in a telephonic transmission. We just do. Uh, and if your mediation is going to be online, I think you lose an opportunity if you choose not to do it online. 
your, your I agree. And there's so there's two things I'd like to come back to. So two things. Um, one is that um, what I found in my research was um, around compassion is that empathy is actually a piece of compassion. And um, what makes what, what shifts empathy into c- compassion that people can really feel, not just that you're acknowledging, but that you can feel is, it, is to combine that with an act. And so we're going back to what we we're talking about is that, you know, yeah, there might be times where you do reach out to your client in a, in a live, a real media, I mean, in-person mediation. But again, you can show that if I were here, I would reach out and touch you right now. I just want you to know that I, I feel your pain, whatever that is. And so I always think about, okay, it's one thing to say it, that's empathy, but it's another thing to do it. And I'll just share with you from a brain perspective um, where empathy shows up neurobiologically is still on the side of the brain closer to pain. Uh, but when we put an act with it, um, it shifts that, it shifts that compassion closer to where we feel love. And so there is a, a biological shift that goes on in our brains when that happens. Uh, so that's what I want to say about that. So being really mindful, intentional. And so this is, this goes back to then the pre-mediation. Um, and particularly for our attorneys out there, is to guide them through. And I always like to say, you know, each and every mediator is different, but you know, in general, this is how mediation goes. You know, and and uh, actually be able to walk them through. You know, the, um, and so they need to understand what the mediation process too, and to make sure that the they understand that the mediator there is there to facilitate the process to reach resolution, um, and not to take sides. So sometimes I find people still try to engage the mediator, you know, to, to shift over to their side. Um, the other thing about that is that that would be an attorney's opportunity to sort of acquaint the participant with the online methodology, you know, like, like the chat room, for example. I was doing a mediation between. Um, two parents who had separated with a young child, because I do a lot around parent coordination and parenting plans. Um, and I got a chat from the, the, the mom saying, did you just see him roll his eyes? <laughs> and, and I was focusing on her, but and he was over here. And so I didn't, I didn't realize he was rolling his eyes. And so, <laughs> and, uh, and so um, I was, I, and I, so I just comment, commented back to her and I said, well, you know, what I'd like to do is, is um, uh, let's take a quick breakout room. I have some questions I'd like to ask each of you. And so I was able to talk to her first and say, well, what, what did that mean to you? And then I was able to go back to dad, where, where were you coming from? And if in fact you actually did that. And so that's a way of using this technology too, that um, it can be done very quickly just to ask clarifying questions. Well, and that's a great point, and it sort of segues to the other topic that comes up all the time from my um, participants is that they they wonder how to manage participant emotions mm-hmm. in an online platform. And I'll be honest, I don't understand why it seems different to people mm-hmm. because you're managing emotions in the room. I mean, rarely are we actually like physically holding people apart. Yeah. Um, we're managing emotions in, in various ways because there's almost always emotion in the room, but there's a perception that because we're online, this must be very different. Mm-hmm. And so, but, but you were just describing actually one way in which I think the online platform actually makes it easy, mm-hmm. easier to start to manage emotions. So let's explore that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I mean, certainly, I mean, I imagine you have experienced this too, um, but you know, where, where the tension and the conflict between two parties is so great 
they don't they won't be in the same room. And that's what really got me into online mediation quite a few years ago because I you know I do a lot in the post-divorce world in terms of like I said parenting plans and stuff like that. And we all know how ugly that can get. And um and uh, I oftentimes say, you know, there are some strategies with um, co-parenting that actually fuel the fire for about 30 to 40% of those getting divorced that uh, we, we, we had, had to come up with a different way. Um, but that's where, you know, again, not having them in the same room. But I think also with that, then is acknowledging emotions going to come up be clear in the pre-mediation piece about it. Um, so, you know, there may be times when you will get emotional and, and that's okay. And that's, that's the mediator's job to manage that. And so for those of you mediating, then you better know, you know, know how to do that. Yeah. And so again, managing the emotion is that uh, by, by when I do, uh, when I start off, I actually say, you know, you know, things will get emo emotional, things will get intense. And so, um, you know, to some degree that's okay. You know, but if I do feel that now it's starting to derail us from the process, I will interject. And I don't want to say intervene, but I, I, I will interject to say, hey, this is getting hot. What's going on? You know, what's fueling this fire right now? Maybe this would be an opportunity where we caucus and I have a chance to talk to each of you individually. And I just, again, that acknowledgement is huge in terms of bringing down that emotional level because then the other person feels um, that you, you get it. And the other person in the room may actually be reacting. Remember the, the tip of the iceberg? Yeah. You tend to react to each other. So both people are going up like this. Oh, yeah. And that's where your, your job is. Go, Whoa, let's come on back down. You know, yep, yep, yeah. And so just take a deep breath. By the way, deep breathing, I encourage you to use oh. it. We all breathe, but most of the time we're not breathing effectively, particularly when we're in conflict or nervous or whatever. But just, you know, let's just take a deep breath or two or three. And that will just slow down the heart rate. It will actually slow down the brainwave patterns going on too. They're really charging up. And um, and just let's just be quiet for a moment. And let's yep. regroup, reflect, and refocus. The breathing component has been um, something I worked with a mindfulness instructor when I was creating my family law, my divorce mediation mm -hmm. practice, and we incorporated in various different ways mindfulness techniques into the process, and um, it, it amazed me how yeah. much just simply taking a few deep breaths, um, how effective that was. And yeah. for any of the mediators out there who are rolling your eyes right now, I can feel you through the screen. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, we know you're out there. I'm just gonna tell you to try it once mm -hmm. because clients did not react that way. Mm -hmm. um, I said, you know, I, I actually with a few would say, I know you're going to think this is a little, you know, woo woo, but why don't we all just like, I can feel things are getting a little heated. And, uh, you know, maybe if we just all take a deep breath for a moment, and then we're going to talk about this. And remarkably effective. Mm -hmm. And that is true online or in person. But there's something about online that I wanted to raise and get your opinion on because I have found, and again, I do family mediation. I know you you do a lot of family mediation as well as workplace, uh, which can be very heated as well. I have found that in my online mediations, I am able to keep people together, I'll call in a joint session, 
longer than I might have been able to do so in person when things do start to get heated. I think most mediators have a knee-jerk reaction that, "Uh uh-oh, things are getting heated, it's time to caucus, it's time to separate them. But I have found that people are able to tolerate the discomfort of the high emotion with that space, with that computer screen between them for a longer period of time. And it can then be more effective because they're still interacting. They're still seeing each other as opposed to now me bouncing back and forth. Have have you found that as well? Yes, absolutely. And uh, in part of that, you know, why I think you're finding that that's possible is that when we're in the same room together, and, and, and we're starting to get emotionally intense and heated. You know, I mean, for some people, and I have to admit I was one of those uh, in my divorce, uh, I was married to a, a litigator. Um, that's why I'm not married to him now. <laughs> I love attorneys, don't get me wrong. Um, but, you know, we got to the point where, you know, it just went in such a negative tr- direction that uh, when I was appalled that here I was a therapist, a psychologist, and I could manage this better. Um, so it was pretty embarrassing. But, I, you know, I would just get so you know, emotionally intense and physically, you know, wound up that I remember running into him uh, outside the bank one day and that we, we were like 20 feet away and we saw each other. It was like, <gasps> we both turned around and, and sped away, you know, <laughs> and that was long after the divorce, you know, and so, so being in the room, you can feel that emotional intensity that becomes unbearable. Your heart rate goes up, your breathing becomes more shallow, and you know, uh, there are usually five different areas of where we tend to feel our, our intense emotion or stress. And, uh, and oftentimes it's the stomach, the heart, the um, lungs, you know, rapid breathing. Sometimes the throat free- freezes up. And then sometimes we just get, our, our brains just get flooded with cortisol, which makes, which renders us unable to think and we're just frozen. And so, um, that's important for, for us as mediators and attorneys to also recognize where do you react. But that's what's happening for people when they're when they're physically present with each other too. You, you know, you can just feel it, right? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And so by by being on online like this, you know, we don't we can't feel that heat of that person's physical presence as intensely as what we you know. Um, well, we can't feel it as intensely online as we would if we were in the same room, even across the table from one another. Yeah, uh, and I've, I've found that especially, I mean, I know we're, mediators are listening from a, a vast variety of disciplines out there, mm-hmm. but high emotion is actually something that I think is a universal in mediation. Certainly not all of the participants, I mean, the insurance adjuster is not usually getting all worked up and crying, mm-hmm. but, but the person who was in the accident and the person who's being accused of causing harm, they very mm-hmm. well might be uh, very upset. So I think that you know, there's, there's been, there are so many tips in here and I know it's to use your iceberg. This is the tip of the iceberg, (laughs) Um, but there's a lot more information on Deborah's website and we're going to get into that, but I want to be sure we talk about your new program that's coming up because we do have attorneys and mediators listening. And I'm just going to say that I, when you first told me about this program that you were coming up with, for me, it was one of those moments where you always hear that, like, God, I wish this had existed when I was, you know, mm-hmm. doing this. 
So I had been a, a litigator, a divorce litigator, and, and a, just a truly traditional go into court, take the facts of the case and, and use that to get my client what they want. Mm -hmm. there's, there's litigation summed up in a nutshell. <laughs> um, but I was used to being an advocate who was well paid for my advice. And then I, you know, very luckily found mediation and wanted to make that, that shift to that kinder, gentler practice, I'll call it. And what didn't shift was my mindset. Hmm. I found it incredibly difficult to let go of 20 years of being the advice giver and the problem hmm. solver. And you are creating a program that addresses that. So please tell us about it and why I wish it had been there 20 years ago or 10 years ago when I made the switch. Well, I have to admit, I'm sort of wondering, why hadn't I thought about this before, you know? Um, but I'm going to go back and to tell just a little bit about my story so our listeners have some foundation for it. Um, you know, I, I was trained in mediation back in the early 90s. And actually, as a result of the Americans with Disabilities Act law that passed um, affecting employees with medical conditions in the workplace. I was already in that space, but I realized I was suddenly having union reps and attorneys show up at my tables with the, you know, uh, an employee and their supervisors like, ah, I need more skills. And so um, that's what got me into mediation. And then uh, during this time, uh, you know, I also had my first and second child. But as I got more, you know, that I found mediation, I was like, oh, I love this, you know? And um, so I'm moving in this space, whereas my husband, the litigator, was still in his space. And our world just, you know, kept getting further and further apart. And so, um, but at that time, like I said, I was in the workplace space and um, starting to shift over to family too. But I've spent a lot of my time in the last 20 years taking some of the concepts and things like this that I'm you know, going to be teaching about in my new workshop to business leaders. And so I work with business leaders and how to approach their employees differently, more consciously, um, more engagingly. Uh, and a lot of this was also based on my doctoral dissertation, the psychology of good bosses versus bad bosses. So that, that whole space brought me into emotional intelligence. And so, um, and I know that the terms of emotional intelligence are sort of passe now, um, but the, the principles there, the concepts um, are still there. And um, and through our mutual colleague, Harold Coleman, he, he was hearing and seeing what I was doing and we started collaborating more. So I joke that I've been to more legal conferences in the last three years than I have been to psychological conferences. So, um, I think you have. <laughs> yes, I think I have. Yeah, and all over the country. So it's as, as I became more, I mean, I have to admit, I already had my attitude and bias unconsciously uh, towards attorneys in my mediations because I haven't found that they um, proved to be more challenging than my, my, my clients in mediation. And so as I started working more with the, the mediator community within the legal field, I realized that in my training and because of my psychological background, I was using a lot of skills that I didn't see um, uh, mediators with legal backgrounds really using. And so I thought, oh, here, here, I've been teaching this to the business community all this time. And so as I started talking to people like you and Harold and stuff like that, it's like, wow, there could really be a, a, you know, value here. And so that's, that's what the pro new program, um, what I've coined, uh, the Agile Warrior Life, <laughs> um, is really incorporating some of these other um, communication strategies that really can dive deep into um, your, your client's emotions and behaviors and what's important to them uh, in really pretty quick 
quick amount of time. Well, and that's what's so, I think, so valuable here. So I think that this program is like for attorneys who want to be mediators, but also if you're going to be an advocate in mediation, or even if you are want to be an advocate who's also able to work with your client's emotional content, mm -hmm. which is so hard for us. You know, we go to law school for three years and get stuff crammed into our heads yeah. all yeah. about, you know, what the law is and what the facts are. Mm -hmm. Nobody in law school that I remember, and I, I admit I went a very long time ago and I know there's probably <laughs> some nice new programs. They honestly didn't even have a mediation program yeah. when I yeah. went to law school. Um, and I know there's entire ADR programs and masters in dispute resolution now and all kinds of wonderful things, but we're not taught the emotional aspect of all of this and dealing with our clients' emotions and, and having that agile mindset and, and being an agile lawyer. So I'm very excited that you're offering this and, and focusing on the legal profession, not yeah. in a way that, that says we're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. It's another set of skills and tools because at our core, we all, for the most part, I think, got into the legal profession to help people. And if you can't deal with people and their emotions and make that leap to, to getting ourselves out of our heads sometimes and getting into here and getting into there for them, we're not really helping or we're not helping as much as we could. Yeah. Well, you know, Susan, there's two things I'd like to share with you and our listeners is that, um, as you know, because you're part of the program, I'm interviewing um, uh, legal professionals who have made that shift in the mediation. And, uh, and it will be released, uh, you know, as a compilation of video interviews for um, people like uh, those in our audience to learn from. Uh, and that is one of the things that's been a consistent theme is that, the, you know, people like you got into law to help people. And, and yet, um, uh, and, and it's not that you're not, you know. Uh, and so, it, and we also talk about the shift into mediation and the effect it's had on your life. Uh, I will go back to this. I actually taught ADR at Cal Western School of Law here in San Diego for about five years as a non-attorney. And so I remember my first um, couple of years and my, my, you know, my second and third year law students were, they go, oh my God, I had no idea there was so much psychology to this process. It's like, duh, you're dealing with people, <laughs> you know? There's psychology in people all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Can't get away from it. Can't get away from it. It makes us up. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I actually have a minor in psychology from college, from my undergrad degree, um, just because I found it very interesting. But mm -hmm. I always knew I was going to law school and I was an English major because I thought, oh, English, I'll have to write stuff. I'll have to be good <laughs> at that. Comprehension and reading. I tell you, I, I use the stuff I learned in the psychology much mm -hmm. more often, especially when I went into family law, but I think any area of law. Mm -hmm. So when is, tell us how people can find out about the program and um, where they can find out more information about you as well. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I'm really excited too. So I, first of all, uh, for all of our listeners, I am offering a free webinar uh, coming up uh, this next Friday, June 5th at 12 noon. And so um, uh, uh, there is a website uh, called theagilelawyerlife.com and there'll be some information available there. But Susan, you've already uh, mentioned that you're gonna make the Zoom link available. 
Right? Yes, absolutely. So okay. in the show notes, there'll be a, the Zoom link that you can just go to register for this free webinar, which I think I'll be registering for. So great. Yeah, yeah. And so what what I wanted to do then is is you know um, you know again, are you at a loss for how to manage uh, emotion, how how to connect with your clients? And so I do. Uh, I will introduce what I call the power of connection. It's a it's a tool, it's a strategy I developed many years, and I've I've used almost. You know, every setting I go into because it's so powerful in bringing people together. Um, and uh, and then just what are some simple strategies that get overlooked? And so I'll be going into a little bit more detail about some of the concepts that we talked about today. And one of the things we didn't get to was um, uh, moving from unconscious incompetency to unconscious competency. So that's part of what we'll be covering there too. And um, and then just what are some of the ups and downs of working virtually? As we have seen is that there's been more research out there that because people are reporting that they're feeling so much more tired after spending their day on, on in a virtual element, what's going on there? So there is some neurobiological stuff also. Uh, and so I've got some tips and strategies about how to manage your time in a mediation because we all know mediations can get rather lengthy. And yet we've got all this you know, neurobiological stuff going on in our, 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 particularly our heads that may not be helpful to, to reaching resolution. Right. So uh, definitely information. I mean, all of my listeners, this is right in their wheelhouse. So I encourage everybody to sign up for the free webinar. Um, can they find out more information about you at the agilelawyerlife.com as well? Yes, yes, yeah. And just so you know, I'll put a plug out there then is that I do have a five-part series that uh, I'm going to go, um, you know, into deeper components like, uh, you know, how to, how to manage clients in a remote environment and what are some of the tactics that you can use. And so that's just one example. But yeah, five parts to sort of break this out even more. And again, bringing to you some of the, the skills that I've used to teach mediators in the past that, um, you know, in my world, we've been using for a long time. And so yeah. I just think it's time to time to expand uh, into the, the legal mediation world. Well, I, we're ready for you. I, okay. I personally have been lucky enough to benefit from your trainings because I've been able to be at all these legal events that you go to, or many <laughs> of them. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the, I've just, I have such great admiration. You're one of the best trainers that I've ever oh. uh, seen and speakers. And so I highly encourage everybody. I think you got a taste of that today, folks, but go get more. Um, I'll have all of the information um, about Deborah and about the Agile Lawyer life.com and everything in the show notes. So please everybody to uh, tune in and go check out more information about Deborah. And Deborah, thank you so much for taking the time to come today. Well, thank you, Susan. It's been a real delight. And thank you for the opportunity to share a little bit about what I know. Thank you for joining me on this week's episode of the Learn to Mediate Online podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, and if you liked this episode, please give me a five-star rating and tell me what you did like in a review. Join me each Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. to hear another episode, and be sure to subscribe now so you don't miss one. Send me your questions and comments at susan at learntomediateonline.com, and you can find out more about my trainings and programs at learntomediateonline.com. I'll see you next week.